Welcome back to Sports Touch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Three weeks from Thursday night, the 2018 NFL season officially kicks off, and that means many of you have your fantasy league drafts right around the corner. And we here at Sports Crunch are more committed than ever to helping you get ready for draft day. Tonight, we start our annual fantasy deep dive series with a look at which wide receivers and tight ends to target or not to target when you're on the clock. And joining us tonight to answer your questions on this matter is Jeff Hazley. Jeff is a lead writer and weekly columnist for the acclaimed fantasy football website, footballguys.com. It's great to have you back on the show, Jeff. How you doing? I'm doing great, David. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, and uh, it's always great to talk football with you. Always great to talk football with all of you guys at footballguys.com. You, Matt Waldman, Cecil Lammy, Sigmund Bloom, Ari Engel, the amazing group of guys you got there. It's a worthwhile fantasy football service. Well, thanks. That's an esteemed list. I, I, I hope to uh, bat my, my place in order here with that huge lineup. <laughs> I'm sure you do a great job of doing so. And first, let's talk about the wide receiver position with a question from my man, uh, Vic Singh. And Vic wants to know if it's a safer strategy to wait on drafting a wide receiver given the depth at the position. You know, I mean, this is a good question, and, and um, I, I saw his question come in, so I had a chance to kind of take a look at it. But um, I think a lot of it depends on where your draft position is. Like if you're slotted one through five, maybe even six, it might be better to target running back because that's where the value is. Whereas receivers tend to be in that seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve range. You get a receiver at that spot, and then flip around on the turn and either get another good, strong receiver or a, a running back. And then coming back around, there's still good receivers. And there's actually more receivers available in that third, fourth turn uh, than, than there would be running back. So I kind of like that strategy, especially because there's a little bit more depth receiver, but especially if you have a little bit later of a draft slot. Oh, very, very good point there, Jeff. And at this time of year, it's important to know going into your fantasy league drafts, who is overvalued and who is undervalued. And when it comes to wide receivers, who is the most overvalued wide receiver in your opinion? Wow, this is a tough question. But, and, and I, I hate to even consider him in this, um, in this category, but you know what? I am not sold on Larry Fitzgerald. I, I am, I'm not, I'm, I'm curious what you just by me saying that, how like aghast you are. Oh my goodness. What are you talking about? Larry Fitzgerald, Hall of Famer. But I'm just a little concerned because um, Bruce Arians is gone. He's no longer there. And he was the driver of that offensive uh, plan, that attack. Um, he was the one who would say, hey, if the, if the coverage is this, throw it to Larry. If the coverage is this, throw it to Larry. Throw it to Larry, right? Because he, back in, what was it, 2016, he and, and David Johnson accounted for Fifty percent of the team's targets, which is just unheard of, just just two, those two players, which is nuts. And um, now they don't have that anymore. And you've got a defensive-minded coach in Steve Wilkes. Of course, you've got Mike McCoy there, but I'm not sure if they're going to have that same. Oh, don't worry, throw it to Larry if the coverage is is this. Um, and um, I'm I'm a little concerned that I mean he still may have his his good games, and he might have like six or seven touchdowns. But I don't see him going all out crazy with 90 to 100 catches like he used to. I'm, I'm thinking that he's going to drop off and, and maybe be like a, a 60 to 70 catch 
type of receiver with six or seven touchdowns. And, and that's not necessarily worth the spot where you can be drafting him right now. So I'm a little, I'm a little wary about uh, Mr. Fitzgerald. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I actually agree with you. Yes, Larry Fitzgerald is a future Hall of Famer, and he has the opportunity to become number two in receptions and overall yards uh, this season. But his age uh, gives me a little pause of drafting him that high. I actually agree with you because when you get to be in your mid-30s as a wide receiver, no matter how legendary you are, uh, that's when the wheels might start to fall off. And it's not worth the risk to draft Larry Fitzgerald that high. I actually agree with you there. Who is the most undervalued wide receiver, in your opinion? Well, when it comes to value, you kind of have to take a look at, like, receivers that you can get in the sixth, seventh, eighth, even the ninth round or so who are going to provide uh, basically someone with maybe 60 to 70 catches and six or seven touchdowns. If you can get somebody like that in that spot in the draft where he can be like your wide receiver four or maybe even your wide receiver five, um, that's a huge, huge win. And one of the guys that I kind of like is uh, Jamison Crowder. I like him in Washington. I don't think he's being drafted high enough, although certain people are are trying to bring him up higher into the ADP ranks. But I think he's going to be great for Washington, great for Alex Smith. I think he'll be a, a good outlet of a receiver. Um, he's someone who can be a possession type of receiver. So I, I see him having quite a quite a strong season, especially with the situation at running back now where it's not quite sure – Who's going to be the lead back? Is that going to be you know, Robert Kelly? Will it be Samaji Perrine? Um, how good is Jordan Reed going to be? So Crowder is, is the receiver that I see that, that really could have himself quite a year. And uh, we've already seen what he can do in upwards of 70, 80 catches. Uh, you know, all, all he needs is the scores to go along with that, and he's a huge bargain. Another guy I like is Cooper Cup. With the Rams, I was really high on him last year, and uh, you know he had a really strong rookie season, and uh, you know we're looking up from here. Uh, another player which I don't necessarily like, especially because he was in the news just recently, uh, was Kelvin Benjamin and how he kind of treated the Panthers and Cam Newton. I'm not a fan of that, but pe- people are are forgetting about him, and he's still value, and he's like he's he's arguably the best receiver on the Bills. And he's going to get passes and he's tall and he's big and he can catch these contested passes. We saw in preseason game one where he had a nice uh, touchdown grab along the sideline. And who knows, maybe that's all he needs to, uh, to refuel his, his venom is, is to have like arguments with his former quarterback. Apparently uh, Nathan Peterman is more accurate than Cab Newton, but anyway, that's a different story. But I mean, he is, he has value at where he is right now in the seventh, eighth, ninth round. He's going to get six or seven touchdowns this year. I think we can, we can pencil that in. Um, so I like Benjamin as a value. Don't necessarily like him as a player. I usually don't like to draft players that I don't like just because I like to root for them. <laughs> but um, Benjamin is, is, uh, is someone who does have value. So I'll throw him in that mix as well. Oh, with especially the potential volume of targets coming Kelvin Benjamin's way, uh, he could be a tremendous bargain in the double-digit rounds. And moving up to the top of the board at wide receiver, the consensus top four at the position are Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., DeAndre Hopkins, and Julio Jones. While Antonio Brown is the near-unanimous top wide receiver on the board, the latter three are interchangeable. 
in what order do you have Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, and Julio ranked, and why? Well, I do have Brown as my number one. I think a lot of people do, and it would almost be blasphemy if we didn't have him number one, right? But then after that, I've got DeAndre Hopkins number two. And before I get into this, I'll I'll share with you the rest of my uh, rankings. And then Odell Beckham, three. Michael Thomas, four. Devontae Adams, five. And Julio Jones, six. And um, just to talk to you a little bit about where, why I have Julio at six is just because, I mean, he is, he struggles to get touchdowns. The most touchdowns that he's had in the last five years is eight, which came back in 2015. That's the most. He's had three, six, five, you know, and, and that's not elite in my opinion. That's, that's like what we used to talk about when Amari Cooper couldn't get the job done. Um, so Julio Jones is still someone who is probably and arguably one of the best uh, types of uh, man-on-man types of receivers in the league. Bar, you know, as far as pound-for-pound, uh, uh, pound, bar none, it's hard to beat Julio Jones. But, man, you know what? Matt Ryan, for whatever reason, they go a different direction in the goal line, and they, they choose either um, Tevin Coleman, they've got Devontae Freeman, they, they'll have a, a, a tight end, Austin Hooper doing some work. Um, now they have Calvin Ridley in the mix. Julio just has not had the, the red zone scores, and that's why I have him lower. I don't have him solo, but I have him sixth. Um, I like DeAndre Hopkins because, number one, he finished as the number one ranked wide receiver last year ahead of Antonio Brown, and he didn't have Deshaun Watson. And he has double-digit touchdowns in two of the last three years. The only two uh, – the, the three players actually have had um, double-digit touchdowns in two of the last three years, and that's uh, that's Odell Beckham, that's Jim, no, that's uh, Devontae Adams, and, and Antonio Brown. But um, Hopkins, though, he is someone who, in my opinion, I think, you know, he, he even with subpar quarterback play, we've seen how he can do really well. And now that he's got Deshaun Watson, I think the, the sky's the limit for what he can do. So. Um, that would be my ranking. And then, of course, o- Odell Beckham, which I didn't really mention too much. I would have him third. I think he's going to come off strong uh, from his injury that he had last year. Uh, he's going to be heavily targeted. I am a little bit concerned about Evan Engram potentially stealing some you know, touchdowns from him. But Beckham's also going to steal touchdowns from Engram. So um, I think we're going to see old Beckham. Uh, he's gonna, old Beckham. How, he's only been in the league how many years? <laughs> we're still talking about that. Uh, I think he'll have a rebound type of season, and I love Michael Thomas in New Orleans. Uh, he's by far their their best receiver there. Uh, we don't know what what they're going to have with Ben Watson at tight end, and of course their running backs are great. And uh, but Thomas is just as, as a receiver. I mean, you're almost banking him for seven to nine touchdowns, and he could reach double digits. So um, that's kind of how I see the the top five and six uh, receivers kind of uh, uh, finishing out this year. Yeah, that's some very interesting rankings there, Jeff, but I do understand why you have Julio at six because uh, he's not a consistent touchdown producer, but keep in mind, I believe he led the NFL in receiving yards last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was uh, uh, 1,444, something like that, but... Yeah, and 300 of those came in the same game. Oh, oh, that's a very good point as well, and... Mm -hmm. But do you think it would be fair for Julio Jones owners to expect him to score more than three touchdowns, if not double that total this year? Oh yeah, if there's if there's a regression candidate, it's him. But I mean, he doesn't have the 
he doesn't have the, the touchdown pedigree of scoring double digits, which is why I don't have him as an elite type of receiver in the top five. And that is a very, very fair point. And moving on to another question, and this is from at FFDynasty101 on Twitter, and he wants to know, who is the wide receiver on the Jaguars, if any, to draft? <laughs> the Jaguars, wow. I mean, this is not your older brother's Jaguars team anymore. This is, uh, we saw this, we saw this kind of the, uh, the evolution of the, uh, the Los Angeles Rams, and we saw this with Jacksonville also last year. And I see Jacksonville as a run first type of uh, uh, dominating type of, of running offense, but they also have some receivers. And uh, Blake Bortles has shown that he can get the ball to these guys. But the guy that I'm most interested in is Keelan Cole. And he's the one who, who really came on strong at the second half of the year. In fact, um, after week nine, Keelan Cole was the 15th ranked wide receiver in, in all of fantasy football. After week nine, he was 15th. Um, and he was third after week 13. I mean, that alone just tells you how you know, much he's uh, being more involved in the offense. In fact, if you look at his week 14, 15, and 16 numbers, he had 99 yards, 186 yards, and 108 yards with two touchdowns in that, in that span. So Keelan Cole is the guy that I think is going to pick up right where he left off and be a big piece of the Jacksonville uh, receiving game. Now, it's not – I wouldn't say it's, it's one of your above-average passing units, but – uh, you know, somebody's going to have to make some plays and catch passes and score touchdowns uh, as a receiver. And I just like Cole. I love his value. You can get him as a wide receiver five or even a wide receiver six in drafts. Although there are some people like me who will probably draft him a little bit higher than, than normal because you want to make sure that you get him. Uh, and, you know, some, some people have a player like that. Keelan Cole is my, is my player. Um, I, think that dd westbrook actually may be a better value because he's almost going undrafted and he could put up similar numbers but he just hasn't had the scoring that cole has and he hasn't had the i don't want to say the target shares because the target shares were actually pretty close but cole is the one who is catching more of those and has a higher reception percentage so i tend to go with cole i think that blake bortles likes him a little bit more in terms of his confidence level so keelan cole is my guy to target Oh, you're not the only one that is bullish on Keelan Cole, and that's a name to keep in mind in the later rounds of your fantasy draft. And before we go on to tight ends here, uh, we're going to stick with one more question on wide receivers, and that is from uh, my man Nate Denny on Twitter, at Nate underscore Denny. And he wants to know, who is a dark horse wide receiver to draft in PPR leagues, and in which round would you draft him? Well, you outside of Keelan Cole? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, he's not quite uh, dark enough of a horse. Um, I'm going to say, uh, and, and this is a guy who I've um, kind of been touting a little bit, and um, uh, he's grown in terms of value, but his luster's kind of dropped off a little bit over the last couple of weeks with a hamstring strain, and that's rookie wide receiver Kiki Kuti on uh, Houston. And people are like, who? Kiki Kuti? Who the heck is this? <laughs> From Texas Tech. No, but uh, he's, he's from Texas Tech, so he's kind of a local kid there, still in Texas. Um, he just happens to be also um, uh, from the same school as his wide receiver coach, Wes Welker, who went to Texas Tech. So I like that connection there. Uh, Kuti, like Welker, is a, more of a slot receiver. However, 
Kuti can go deep at times too and, and can be a, a deep threat. Uh, in fact, he may even take some of these plays away from Will Fuller that he had last year. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Um, but he's he's kind of been a little bit hurt in the, the end of training camp, and he missed the first preseason game with a hamstring strain. So, but I mean, it's not uh, it's not that serious. Uh, I think they're just resting him. I really think that he's going to be a weapon that Houston is going to use. They did not really have a good slot receiver last year, and Deshaun Watson has thrived with that in the past with Hunter Renfro at Clemson. And we saw the, uh, the touchdown that Renfro had to win the national championship against Alabama. I mean, Watson knows how to use the, the slot receiver. And I think Kuti is going to be a big piece of that and part of the Texans offense. In fact, I think he might even be uh, someone who could be a candidate to lead the team and in, in, uh, or not lead the team, but be third in the team in receptions this year. If you think about it, they really don't have the depth at, at tight end, or at least it's not yet known. Um, there's another guy I like, Jordan Akins, the rookie tight end who uh, came from uh, uh, UCF, undefeated UCF. You know, he's a little bit older. I think he played baseball in his in his early career. He's what 25 or 26 as a rookie, so he's got some experience to him. I like. Jordan Akins, and he's the guy who had two touchdowns in the first preseason game. So he's someone to take a look at, but we're talking about receivers here. Um, so I like Kuti. Another guy I like, sorry for rambling here, Dave, um, is, is, is John Ross. He's really kind of uh, um, piquing my interest in, in Cincinnati. And, and he, was, he was all caught up in injuries last year, and he never really got a chance to uh, prove his worth. Um, I think he was kind of the odd man out in the offense. He wasn't necessarily a, a part of that. I don't think he was being uh, scripted for various different plays this year. They're going to him uh, in like wide receiver screens, smoke routes, and Ross can, can burn. He's got some speed. So we've already seen what he can do. I mean, he can take like a, a two yard hitch and turn it into 11 or 12 yards on the first down. We've also seen him take the top off of defense. So um, John Ross is someone to watch. And he's also someone who's very, very cheap, even though he's now starting to gain a little bit of momentum in his ADP. But you can still get him late and in that wide receiver five, wide receiver six range. And uh, he's just uh, kind of a guy you can stash until he takes off. And he has that ability um, to do that. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. So those are some dark horse receivers, Kiki Kuti and John Ross. And if I may mention here, Dave, one of my dark horse receivers last year was Cooper Cup. How did he do? He did pretty well, right? Oh, absolutely. And John Ross also looked pretty good himself uh, last Thursday night in the Bengals' preseason game against the Bears uh, on those uh, quick outs. Uh, he could uh, gain a lot of yards for you after the catch, uh, given his speed. And uh, that's a weapon that Andy Dalton could grow to love using. So those are two good dark horse receivers in Kiki Kuti and John Ross. And so now moving on to tight ends. And we start with a question from uh, my man Patrick on Twitter at Marty 480 And he wants to know which tight end not named Gronk, Kelsey, or Ertz is your favorite to own in fantasy this season? Uh, not Gronk, not Kelsey, not Zach Ertz. You know, I'm going to throw in Jimmy Graham here for the sole reason that I think he's going to get a lot of touchdowns. Uh, even though Aaron Rodgers has always had an affinity for wide receivers in the red zone, Graham kind of is a wide receiver. Um, and I think he's going to take over that role that, that Jordy Nelson had, especially in, in the red zone. Um, you know, his ability to, uh, to jump, uh, to leap up and, and uh, you know, catch that, that pass against uh, tight coverage is, is going to come in handy. And uh, I think 
Graham is going to be someone who has seven to 10 touchdowns this year. He could have 10 touchdowns. It all depends on how many, of course, Aaron Rodgers throws, but I could see him having a decent percentage or a decent share of those touchdowns. He may not have more than say like 65, 66 catches, something like that. Right. But the touchdowns I think is what's going to propel him into that uh, upper tier into that top five, potentially into the top three uh, for tight end. So Jimmy Graham would be my pick after Gronkowski, uh, Travis Kelsey, and Zach Ertz. Oh, that's definitely a good uh, name to keep in mind because with Aaron Rodgers, should he stay healthy throughout most of the year, Jimmy Graham is a quiet candidate to lead the NFL in touchdown receptions this year. So uh, that's a good reason uh, to go after uh, Jimmy Graham. And speaking of one of those other three tight ends I mentioned, Zach Ertz, uh, there's an interesting uh, story that came out of Philadelphia uh, this week, and it's about Alshon Jeffrey potentially beginning the season on the reserve PUP list, which would sideline him for the first six games of the season. Alshon Jeffrey um, played through a uh, torn rotator cuff through most of last season and had surgery immediately after the Super Bowl, and the Eagles do not want to rush him back at keeping him on reserve PUP to start the season uh, remains firmly uh, on the table. And let's say Alshon Jeffrey does begin the season on reserve PUP. How does that affect the fantasy value of Zach Ertz, in your opinion? Does it increase the value, or does it lower the value, or does it not change the value at all? I think it increases the value if he lands on the pup list. I don't think that's going to happen, but it, and it might just be you know beat writers mentioning certain things and offering a possibility of that happening, and people are taking it and running with it, and and that's what we see here. But uh, but what we've heard from the Eagles coaching staff is that you know he's He's day to day. We'll see. Of course, you know, they don't have to they don't have to really explain a whole heck of a lot for injuries in the preseason. It's even less than it is in the regular season. So we don't really know. But if he is on the pup list to begin the uh, the year, I would say that that Zach Ertz is someone that immediately comes to mind as, as a player who you kind of have to uh, um, increase the uh, the uptick in production. I also think that Nelson Aguilar is, is someone who could benefit as well as Mike Wallace. A lot of people are forgetting about Mike Wallace. He's one of my other sleepers uh, or a dark horse type of receiver who can do some damage, especially in best ball. I think Wallace is going to get like four or five touchdowns this year. And, uh, you know, best ball is one of your last roster um, players. That's great. Um, and, and, and if Jeffrey is hurt, uh, those guys, Wallace, as well as Aguilar and Ertz, all jump up in value. So, yeah, I, I think that – I don't think that Philadelphia is really going to skip a beat in that regard. If, if Jeffrey's out, they'll just find somebody else who can fill in. Oh, yeah, so that could be even more targets for Zach Ertz, and uh, especially in the red zone, plus uh, the Eagles uh, um, could also bring Dallas Goddard into the fold um, earlier and give him a – prominent role in the red zone and Goddard has the athleticism that could draw coverage away from Ertz so it can make life uh, just as easy without Alshad Jeffrey on Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yes indeed and now let's uh, play a little game which I like to call draft day dilemmas because whenever I'm doing mock drafts and whenever I'm on the clock and I see two receivers on the board that I'm choosing from and I say oh god there's so little difference between these two which one do I take um and we're going to put ourselves in that situation right now, ourselves in that situation right now, and I'm going to have uh, you choose uh, which one uh, you would choose over the other and why. Starting with 
We start with the Vikings with Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen. <laughs> this is a tough one. Uh, the needle is definitely pointing up more for Stefan Diggs, especially after his performance in, the, in his limited action in preseason. And we've seen him perform really, really well when he's healthy. The only problem is he hasn't been that healthy and he tends to miss a couple games. So that could hurt him. But if he's playing, there's a good chance for him to produce. And so far it looks like Kirk Cousins is kind of gravitating towards him a little bit more than Adam Thielen. And that may change. I think Thielen's actually a better route runner. Uh, I think he is, has more awareness in terms of uh, helping out his quarterback. I think he's a better adapter when it comes to finding an open seam. Um, so I like Adam Thielen, but right now Diggs, and it's 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 hard to go against him. I, it's 1A and 1B in my opinion, but I would put a slight edge to Stefan Diggs. If he can stay healthy, I think he'll outproduce Thielen, but we'll see. Last year it was, the, it was the opposite. You know, Thielen has been the guy for Sam Bradford. He was the guy for, um, uh, geez, Case Keenum. Thank you. Um, and um, we've yet to see that yet with, uh, with Kirk Cousins, right? But Thielen will stick around. He'll be there. He's, he's not going to go away. I don't think he's someone who we can label as a potential bust this year. I, I, I don't see that at all. But Stefan Diggs, he's just shown just tremendous ability on all types of routes to find success. And we have already seen Kirk Cousins look to him. So um, as long as he's healthy, I think Diggs barely narrowly edges out Thielen. Yeah, you can't go wrong with either of them, but I can see why you give Diggs the higher ceiling because of his uh, athleticism and size. And moving on to an interesting choice between two guys who should be absolute target monsters this year, T.Y. Hilton or Doug Baldwin. Yeah, right. Uh, There's two receivers that I really, really like in uh, Doug Baldwin and Michael Crabtree because I think they're the the primary top receiving threat receivers uh, for their prospective teams. And uh, each one of them could have 30 more catches than their closest teammate. So I like Doug Baldwin. I do. But I'm a little concerned about his, his knee. I am a little concerned about the Seattle offense, so that kind of gives me a little bit of a pause. Um, I, I do like him uh, in best ball, especially because I think he's going to score. But it, it might be one of these situations where you know he has a great week and then he kind of falls off or is not that consistent. So I'm a little iffy there. I do like T.Y. Hilton. I've always liked Hilton. You bring Andrew Luck back into the mix, and I think that's a that's a combination that may not be able to do wrong. So I will lean. A little bit more, even though I've already talked about Baldwin a lot, I'm going to lean towards T.Y. Hilton here. And he's just more of a consistent type of threat. And we've seen Hilton thrive who, regardless of who's at quarterback. And uh, I think he's going to have a, a, another type of renaissance type of year with Andrew Luck returning into the fold. So T.Y. Hilton is my guy narrowly over Doug Baldwin. And now moving on to two rookie wide receivers that could end up being the top wide receiver on their team by the end of the season. DJ Moore of the Panthers or Michael Gallup of the Cowboys? Mm, This is a tough one, too. I think that Moore has uh, more of a pedigree. I think he's a better I think he's a I think he's a better receiver in space. Right. Uh, I think we can agree on that. And, And Michael Gallup is someone who is really starting to. Uh, shine a little bit and show some worth. And if I had to guess, I would say that Devin Funches is still going to be the the main receiver in Carolina, 
But in Dallas, it's kind of up in the air. It could either be Alan Hearns or it could be Michael Gallup. They don't really have a tight end in the mix. I, I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to be a, a heck of a back in terms of a, a receiver. I think he'll get a lot more catches. Um, but as far as this particular battle, Michael Gallup, I mean, it's possible he could be the top receiver for the Cowboys. And this this is a, I'm going to say this is a, a lower than average passing unit. So I'm not super thrilled with it, but uh, the opportunity is definitely there. And I think that Gallup could get that wide receiver one role. I don't know if DJ Moore can get that wide receiver one role in Carolina. So I'm going to lean a little bit more on Michael Gallup here over DJ Moore. But I would not be surprised if Moore also, you know, comes out guns a blazing and has a, a tremendous impact. But Gallup would be the guy that I think would, would have uh, a little bit more production. That is a very fair prediction, Jeff. And now moving back to tight ends, Delaney Walker or Greg Olson? Ah, another tough one. But I'm going to go Greg Olson here uh, because I think he is he's one of the better tight ends in the league. And, and so is Delaney Walker. But I think he has something to prove coming back after uh, last season being hurt. And um, when he did come back, he wasn't fully at 100%. So I think that he's going to come back and, and be a big piece of the Panthers' offense. Um, Delaney, Delaney Walker is, again, also a big piece for Tennessee. But I'm a little... I'm a little uh, weary about Johnu Smith and, and him kind of coming along and being also another key piece to that offense. So his targets and his target share may drop a little bit. I'm going to say Greg Olson here narrowly over Walker. Yeah, that's another close, close call. And another potential close call here among tight ends, Kyle Rudolph or Jordan Reed? I'm a big fan of Jordan Reed this year. I think Reed is one of those players who – and if you ever take a look at, at, at uh, receivers or tight ends or any player really in the league and you see their, their career and you see their, their numbers over the years, you know, kind of goes up, goes down, goes up, a little bit down, a huge year down. Um, I think that, you know, there's hills and valleys to people's careers. And Jordan Reed has had his share of hills and he's had his share of valleys. And I think he's ready to jump back up into that uh, hill area, if, we, if, if I will. Um, I think that uh, he's he's going to be over his, his injuries. Um, I'm sure there's always the threat of concussions. But if he's healthy, he's one of the better tight ends in the league. And Washington does not have very many tall receivers. They have a lot of 5'10", 5'11", maybe 6-foot receivers. But Reed is one of those taller ones who is a, a, a red zone magnet. So I think he'll do well. Rudolph. I, I like, but there's so many weapons on, on Minnesota. And let's not forget that Delvin Cook's going to be a big piece of that offense. Um, I I would almost rank Reed over Rudolph, and I want to say that, but I, I wouldn't draft him that way. I would draft Rudolph and then potentially get Reed maybe a round later and have both. Or skip Rudolph, get a different player, and draft Reed, uh, knowing that he could be a player who could uh, – uh, explode past Rudolph as far as overall production. So if I had to lean, I would say Jordan Reed over Kyle Rudolph simply because I think that his potential is uh, a little bit stronger and better. And Rudolph in Minnesota, there's just a lot of, of a lot of mouths to feed on that offense. And and I'm not sure if Rudolph is going to be a guy who can get eight to nine to you know seven to eight to nine touchdowns. I'm not sure if I see that. And and we're probably looking at about maybe fifty to sixty. 65 receptions in that offense, especially with a strong running game. So I'm a little iffy on, on Rudolph, and I'd, I'd take Reed here in, a, in an upset. 
He is Jeff Hazley, footballguys.com. You can catch his work there and you can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Hazley. Jeff, it is beyond a pleasure to have you on this program again. But before we let you go here, we want to play another one of my favorite games and it's called Buy or Sell. And in this game, I'm going to mention a name of a wide receiver or tight end that we have not discussed yet. And you tell me whether you buy or sell them and why. Starting with the guy who's already been the star of training camp for the Baltimore Ravens, John Brown. Ah, boy. I'm not sure if I would buy him. As I told you before, I really like Michael Crabtree. So I think I would sell. But, I mean, he's not high enough to sell. So I I think I would hold with him if I could uh, or sell. I don't think I'm buying John Brown right now. And moving on to the San Francisco 49ers. And this guy is arguably Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite target, Marquise Goodwin. I'm buying Marquise Goodwin. I think he's going to turn out to be their wide receiver one over Pierre Garçon. And we've seen that Kyle Shanahan's wide receiver one does tremendous things. And the wide receiver two, not so much. So I will, I will buy on Marquise Goodwin as someone that I think, and he's showed really good chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo last year. So I'm going to, I'm going to take Goodwin here as the upset over Garcon. Oh, that's not an upset to me personally. And moving back to Seattle with uh, a guy who quietly was among the top uh, uh, 31 receivers in fantasy points last year, Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Um, buy or sell. I, he's a guy that I would hold on, but I'm interested in him. I think that he, now that he's healthy and that he's, not uh, dealing with injuries and nagging injuries at that. I think he's someone who can make a difference. Uh, he just has to stay healthy. Um, the fact that he, his needle is kind of pointing up, it might mean, you know what? He's healthy. Sell him until he gets, before he gets hurt again. Um, so I'm kind of interested in buying him. But at the same time, I think his, his value is, is starting to climb a little bit. So he's more of a hold and potentially a sell. I, I kind of hate to say that, but I think you could get some decent value from him. I would wait, though, and see what he does in the first couple weeks. Yeah, that is a very uh, astute observation there once again, Jeff. And moving on to the guy who was not only my favorite wide receiver in this year's draft class, but probably one of my top 10 favorite prospects in this year's draft class. And I'm talking about Anthony Miller, who was arguably the star at training camp for the Bears. Do you buy or sell him? Oh, I'm buying him. I am buying Anthony Miller. I like you. I think he's one of the better receivers in this whole class. And, uh, you know, and it might not be his athleticism. It, it might be what's between his left and right ears that, that puts him in that spot. I mean, he's just smart and he knows the, uh, you know, he, he's already learning the offense. Um, reports out of, uh, of Chicago say that he's someone who's going to be a big piece of that, of that offense. And I don't doubt that. So, Um, I'm buying Anthony Miller right now. I think he can go and turn himself into a flex option pretty quickly this year as, and not someone that you leave on your bench. I think he's going to turn into that, but it's yet to be seen. We haven't quite seen it yet. Uh, so a lot of it is, you know, speculation, but that speculation is pretty high. I, I think I'd still buy. Oh, yeah. And for the record, I'm going to be seeing Anthony Miller in person this weekend as I go see the Bears play the Broncos in Denver, which should be a very interesting uh, preseason game to see some uh, potential present and future fantasy football options uh, hopefully shine under the bright lights. And moving on to one of the Bears NFC North rivals, the Detroit Lions, Kenny Galladay, who could be a red zone monster, buy or sell? I don't think we're selling him yet because he hasn't he hasn't proven 
that he kind of belongs yet. Yeah, he's had a couple. He's had some strong preseason games before. Uh, he's had some some nice touchdown grabs here and there, but he hasn't been he hasn't found his niche yet in the offense, and I'm a little afraid of that. And I'm not sure if he's going to do that. You know, with with Golden Tate and Marvin Jones already there, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly how much of a place he has. I need to see a little bit more for him um, before I can sell him. I'm I'm not necessarily buying him. I'd hold until he gains more value and then potentially sell. Moving on to another potential red zone monster, Mike Williams, the seventh overall pick in the 2017 draft. Buy or sell? I honestly don't know what to think of him. <laughs> I mean, you got such a uh, such a high draft pick, and usually those players do really, really well. And there's a possibility for him. But what if he's the next Laquan Treadwell? Um, what if uh, what if he doesn't uh, what if he what if he doesn't help us out with his performance, the the level that we want to see? I I don't think we can sell him yet because again, he's his value is not high enough, and I'm not sure I would buy him yet either. But as far as value is concerned, I guess I would buy him because you can buy him cheap and that payoff could be pretty good. The dividends could pay in this regard, especially with no Hunter Henry in the offense. There's, there's bound to be a place for him. He just needs to, he just needs to uh, come through. So I, I guess I would buy him, but I, I wouldn't be too happy with it. He'd still be a stash for me. And moving on to tight ends. And this guy has gotten rave reviews out of Colts camp. He is Eric Ebron. Do you buy or sell him with Andrew Luck? Oh, I'm buying Eric Ebron right now. I think his value is yet to take off. And we already know how well the Colts, plus Andrew Luck, really has an affinity for uh, the tight ends in in their offense. And I see Ebron as someone who's more of an over-the-middle, deeper type of tight end threat rather than Jack Doyle, who's more of a uh, square out, eight yards and a catch. Uh, type of player um so i like ebron and i think that in in indianapolis that's hard to say in indianapolis i think that the touchdowns are going to be plentiful for tight ends upwards of uh maybe even like uh 10 to 12 touchdowns for their tight ends and ebron's going to be a big part of that so i'm going to say ebron's a buy right now because not enough people are realizing just how good he could be Oh, yeah, and plus uh, you got Frank Reich as the Colts' new head coach, and he was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles last year where they utilized their tight ends very well in uh, Brent Selleck, Trey Burton, and obviously Zach Ertz. Uh, and the, right. yet he has two good ones in Indianapolis with Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. But do you see Eric Ebron as playing more of that Zach Ertz role in that offense? Um, Potentially, yeah. I mean, I don't see Jack Doyle playing that role. So if anyone's going to do it, it's Ebron. Um, I just think that he has a little bit more versatility as a player. He's more athletic. He can catch the ball, I think, better, even though he's had some drop issues in Detroit. I think we're going to see a, a, a rejuvenated Eric Ebron this year. And it's a great, great system and a great offense, a great coach and Frank Reich to lead him the way. Moving back to San Francisco and George Kittle, buy or sell? Well, because he's hurt right now, I think his value has dropped. So I think he would be a good buy if he can bounce back from that shoulder injury, which I think he will. Uh, I think he's going to be a big piece of the offense. If you can get him for, I don't want to say pennies on the dollar, but if you can get a discount at him right now because he's hurt, I would take advantage of that. I'd say buy. Oh, yeah, especially in the later double-digit rounds. And last but not least, we go back to Chicago and Trey Burton, buy or sell? Oh, his... his, uh, 
his value right now is, is or his value, his overall understanding of, of expectations, I think is pretty high. So in that regard, I think you might be able to sell him. I'm not sure exactly how he's going to fit into the offense just yet, uh, especially with Adam Shaheen still doing work. So, and, uh, you know, Shaheen knows the offense. Well, actually, he doesn't because it's Matt Nagy, but he knows the team. So he may, he may be, uh, you know, more of a, uh, of, a, of, of a fit there, but I, I'm still not sold on Trey Burton as of yet. I know he did well with, with Philadelphia and that offense and that system. Not sure how that's going to translate into Chicago as of yet. I think we may be a little bit disappointed, and I wouldn't be surprised if Burton falls outside of the top 10. I would say sell uh, right now and see what you can get, but um, it also would be nice to see him <laughs> rise a little bit higher before he sell. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, though. Jeff Hazley, once again, it's always a fun time having you on here, and we hope to have you back on very, very soon. David, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, my man. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate you, and that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back with more of our fantasy deep dive next week, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like my man, Jeff Hazley. For Jeff Hazley, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.